done horrible things to somebody, unspeakable things, and yet they love you anyway. How do you know the depths of this love? Well, in spite of the wrong, they still love you. We'll take a look at that in the extreme next. Join us. Many will say it's simple hellfire and brimstone preaching and we just don't do that anymore and that's unkind and unloving. Yet really, it's God revealing to us no matter how bad we really are, He still loved us enough to rescue us from that badness. And the proof is found in just exactly what He did to do that rescuing. But in order to appreciate that rescue, we need to make sure we understand the bad that we did. The wrath of God is what we're looking at out of Romans today. Please join us from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City with this edition of Graceful Truth, our teacher and pastor now, Pastor Steve Converse. But see, the problem is we have people that have kind of dumbed down their Christianity to the point where if they go to church once a week, they can check it off their little list and feel real good about themselves. That's not the Christianity of the Bible, beloved. That's just not. That's not what God, what Jesus, what the apostles, the rest of the New Testament has prescribed for us. I'm not here to give you a guilt trip. I'm just here to tell you the reality of what we're looking at. And we need to somehow understand that this means something to the God that we claim to serve. He doesn't just turn a blind eye when you pass up an opportunity to fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ because maybe you're too busy. I could see if maybe the majority of our time was spent at church and we were abusing the opportunity to work or to minister to our family and all we were doing was spending time together hour after hour here. But that's not the case. We all know that's not the case. And somehow we're given to kind of a less lesser degree of commitment as time goes on. The longer we're a Christian, we we kind of feel like somehow we don't need the fellowship, we don't need the Bible study, we don't need the prayer meetings, we don't need these things anymore because, well, I've been a Christian for 40 years or I've been doing this or I've been teaching. That doesn't mean anything to God. Believe me, it doesn't. In reality, God is love. He is. However, his one aspect of his love is his wrath. And hatred of sin. See, you have to think of it this way, beloved. God is a perfect being. He's perfect in love. But he's also perfect in his holiness. He's perfect in his judgment. He's perfect even in his wrath. It's hard to hear those words that God is a God of hate. But he is. Just as much as he's a God of love. He has a love toward sinners, but he definitely has a hate toward the sin. Many people are bothered by the thought that God somehow reacts in wrath and in judgment. Personally, I think I would be kind of a little more bothered if he didn't. If he just kind of let everything go under the bridge. Everything's cool, don't worry about it. That wouldn't make any sense. He wouldn't be just. And so Paul's purpose here in our text, 
And all the way through chapter 3 of 20 is to describe for us the charges that God levels against all mankind. So the next couple of weeks is going to be a tough couple of weeks or months or however long it takes us to get through this stuff. So if you're looking to be kind of encouraged in your faith, I pray that the Word of God will do that. But if you're looking for a happy, happy devotion kind of message, maybe do that outside and then when you come to church, you're ready to hear about what we're going to hear about. It's just as hard for me to preach on this as it is for you to hear it. Trust me, this is not comfortable speaking about the wrath of God. Well, I want us to see here, I mean, when you stop and you think of God's wrath, first of all, you have the fact of God's wrath. It's there in Scripture. We don't make it up. What does this answer? It answers the question, what is the wrath of God? Let's look at the character of this wrath. In the New Testament, there are two words that refer to the wrath or the anger of God. One is thumas, which means basically, um, that's where we get our, our English word thermometer or thermonuclear. It refers to a sudden explosion of anger. It's used in Luke chapter 4, verse 20, 28, when the people of Nazareth wanted to harm Jesus. It was that kind of anger. It's also the most common word for wrath in the book of Revelation. But the word that's used here in Romans 18 is the different word. It literally means to become red-faced. It pictures someone who is holding his anger while it's building up. Have you ever done that? You ever been there, guys? You're talking to your wife, your spouse, and you're, you're saying to yourself, don't get angry, don't get angry. But you can feel it building within you, and you're, you know, you're gritting your teeth and everything. That's the idea here. It implies that there will come a time when this anger will just come gushing forth. It refers to a settled, determined indignation. It doesn't refer to this momentary, emotional, often uncontrollable anger that we deal with as human beings. That's the word thumos. But the word here is very particular. I mean, the idea behind this word is if you were to go up here in the foothills of the Sierras and you were to build yourself a man-made dam and you got it to the point where you could hold some water back and that water started building. But you didn't really know what you were doing. You didn't really engineer it, right? You just put some logs and some mud together and boy, all of a sudden the water started backing up. What's going to happen eventually as that water backs up and backs up and backs up? Eventually it's going to burst that dam. That's the idea of this word. God's wrath is building up. It's storing up. And one day when that dam bursts forth and all the fury of those pent-up waters flow forth and destroy everything in its path, that's a good description of God's wrath. That's what's going to happen one day. When you look in throughout the Bible, you see a lot of different verses that deal with the wrath of God. We're just going to look at a couple this morning just briefly. First of all, you have back in Genesis chapter 3 verses, uh, or Genesis chapter uh, 6 to 8, it talks about the flood. And it talks about how God's wrath was built up and he was restraining it and restraining it and restraining it until the day when it just burst forth in that flood. It wiped out everything except that was within the ark. That's the idea. Or you can look at Genesis chapter 19 when it talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. And the wrath of God slowly built up against those people and their immorality until it burst forth in divine judgment and they were wiped out. 
Or even in Exodus 14 at the Red Sea. Pharaoh and his people had been dealt with by God through plagues. And God was restraining his anger. You'd think they'd get the message, but no. And all of a sudden the dam bursts forth and the entire Egyptian army is drowned in the sea. See, the good news, the good news, beloved, is simply this. That those who are in Christ... Good news for those in Jesus is that when Jesus was hanging on that cross, God directed and, and focused his built-up anger, his wrath against all your sin, present, future, past. He poured it all out on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ when he hung on the cross. That's why a lot of times you look at the passion of the Christ and you look at the picture and you, boy, your heart's touched. You're kind of moved seeing the physicality of Jesus' suffering, the passion of the Christ. But that doesn't even come near to what Christ went through spiritually because he was enduring all the wrath of all the sin of all those who would ever put their faith and trust in Christ. It was all laid on him and he didn't, he didn't deserve any of it. So those of us who are saved by grace have found a place of shelter, you might say, from that awesome wrath of God. Romans chapter 5, verse 9, we get this in a little while, but it says, Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much shall we be saved by him from what? What's it say? The wrath of God. We're saved from the wrath of God. Does God react in sudden outbursts? Sure he does. You don't have to, I mean, you look at that, they're, they're totally holy outbursts, but he does. You look at when Israel had rebelled, they were instantly afflicted by a plague in, in Romans 11, 16, or uh, Numbers eleven sixteen. You think of Miriam who was, who was afflicted with leprosy in Numbers twelve ten. There were occasions when the wrath of God is unleashed in an instant, even in the New Testament. Ananias and Sapphira, right? They lied about something as simply, simple as the value of some property. They tried to make themselves look better than what they were. So they came to church and said, oh, we sold all the property and we're giving you all the money. But they weren't. They were holding some back to their own. And God struck them dead right on the spot. I mean, I'd say that's a little bit of wrath, a little bit of anger there. God typically deals with sinners by holding back his wrath in an effort to bring about repentance in their lives. That's why you can ask the question, well, if God is so wrathful and so vengeful and, and can do all this stuff, why do people get away with so much today? Because God doesn't settle all his accounts according to our schedule. It's that simple. God will settle his accounts on his terms. And you may look at your neighbors and look at them and think, man, this guy <clears throat> definitely not living for God. He's living for Satan if he's living for everybody. But man, he's got more money than I. He's got a nicer car. He's, family looks, everything looks good. I mean, he's just living it up. Come on, God. What's going on here? Here I am trying to live for you and I'm barely making it check to check. And man, a lot of things are going on in my family that don't seem right. The wrath of God will come. The character of his wrath is just that. But it's also, we have to look at the caliber of his wrath. Notice that it says, yeah, it's the wrath of God. That's, that's the, the, the character of it. It's God's wrath. But it also, the caliber of his wrath is that simple thing there. When you and I get angry, we display our wrath. And when we do, what, what happens? It's sin. 
very seldom are we able to get angry at something and not sin. <laughs> you know, uh, we'd like to think, oh, this is righteous anger. Most times we're in the flesh. Let's just be honest. I mean, even at times when, you know, we get in an argument with our spouse or whatever. And, you know, man, I don't know if you do this, but I do this. You know, I try to somehow turn the tables and tell my wife, well, you're the, you're the reason I'm angry. <laughs> you know, that, that never worked, but I thought it worked for a couple years. But it, it doesn't work. It doesn't make any sense either. Because she'd always say, oh, I made, yeah, you're the reason, you know, if you just stop doing this or that or saying this or that, then I wouldn't be angry anymore. We say, you have no control. No, I have no control. And then, you know, we're in an argument and the phone rings. Oh, how you doing? Oh, yeah, we'll be over for dinner in a couple minutes. Thank you. <laughs> but wait a minute, you just said you had no control over your anger. What was that? See, we want to blame other people for our anger. But this is the wrath of God. On the other hand, God's wrath is always, it's always balanced. It's always fair. It's perfectly just. Because God's attributes are balanced. And he's divinely perfect. If they weren't, he wouldn't be God. If God did not have wrath and God did not have anger, then he would not be God. It's that simple. God is perfect in love on the one hand. And he's equally perfect in hate. On the other hand, just as God totally loves, he also totally hates. I never heard that before. His love is unmixed, but so is his hatred. If you question me in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9, of Christ, the, the writer of Hebrews says this, You have loved righteousness and what? Hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness before your companion. See, there's that perfect balance in the nature of God. And one of the, the biggest tragedies in Christianity today is a failure to preach on the hatred, the wrath, the judgment of God. Because we just want everybody to feel so good about themselves, so lovey-dovey kind of a thing. Mushy, you might say. I mean, you can be sure of this. You can be sure that when the wrath of God falls on a life, it was deserved, first of all. And it was also executed with perfection. Divine justice. We just need to understand that there is no possible way for the Lord to react against sin, but in judgment. That's the only way he can react. There's no other way. He's appalled by sin and will react against it. Hebrews 1.3 tells us that. So it's this wrath of God, but also the consistency of his wrath. Notice it says there in verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed. It is revealed. The wrath of God is constantly in view. It doesn't go away. Just because we live in the New Testament doesn't mean that God is not wrathful, that God is not angry, that God doesn't hate. He does. He is. We can see it around us all the time, but a lot of times we're unsure of what it is. I mean, you would look at unbelievers and you would think that their lives would be filled with pain and suffering from a human perspective. And as Christ followers, our, our lives are filled with bliss and happiness. But when you look into the Word of God, it tells us, it becomes very clear that God in his long, long suffering gives the wicked many opportunities, many chances to repent. 
He wants them to come to know him. He wants them to understand his forgiveness. Asaph with his struggle in Psalm 73 is a good example of that. He saw the prosperity of the wicked and the the struggles of the children of God. And it caused him a lot of confusion, a lot of anxiety, you might say, in Psalm 73. His His perspective was really cleared up when he considered the end of those without the Lord. See, you know, your unbelieving friends may look like they're doing real well, but you know what? In the end, we all die. And don't believe the lie, the, die, the guy that dies with the most toy wins. That's just not true, because you're not taking your toys with you. When you leave this life, you will be ushered into the eternal life, and you will be either in the presence of God, or you will be in a place of utter torment for all eternity called hell. There, there's no in-between, there's no purgatory, there's no second chance. And when we begin to understand that, we clearly see that God doesn't always pay off on Fridays. He's not on our schedule. But His wrath is consistent. It's just. And then we also see the course of His wrath. Where does it come from? It says it originates in heaven. It said, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Wow! Did you ever think of heaven being the place where the wrath of God is? I never really thought about that before. I thought heaven was gold streets and boy, everybody's singing and dancing and just having a jolly old time. No, the wrath of God is there as well. That's where it comes from. See, we have to stop thinking that we're in control here. We have to believe that God is in control. And you know what? He's going to have the last word on this matter. Wrath will come against all sin whether it's the cause and effect wrath of reaping and sowing, as we're talked about in Scripture. If you go out and you rob a bank, you're probably going to get caught. You're probably going to go to prison. Cause and effect. Or the full-blown wrath of God revealed in His personal fury against sin. The wrath of God always originates in heaven. There's a higher order. There's a higher standard than man. We're not in charge of our final destiny. God is. God will always have the final word. When we were overseas, it became very clear to a lot of people, it didn't really matter whether you were American or who you were. (laughs) They just knew you weren't from their country. You know, we, we like to think ourselves a lot of times as Americans, as well, we're the cream of the crop. You know, everybody has to bow to our whatever. Well, when you're over there and they don't speak your language and they don't really want to learn your language, uh, it's, it's hard to understand that. We just think that everybody is, is under the umbrella of America. And, and, and that's how some people feel when it comes to God. They think that God is this all-loving God. And it's just kind of like, well, we'll just all be accepted. No. The wrath of God originates in heaven. Well, look at the focus of God's wrath quickly. The focus of God's wrath. And these will go quickly. This answers the question, who is God's wrath focused against? Who is ra- <clears throat> God's wrath focused against. It tells us there basically two areas. First of all, all ungodliness. This refers to man's relationship to the Lord. Ungodliness. They've taken God out of the picture. They're enemies of God. Romans 8, 7. Romans 5, 10. They're focused. They are the focus of his anger. They are the focus of his wrath. And he will react in wrath against the sins of humanity. And to all those who fail to repent and to get in a right relationship with him, they will all feel the fury of God's wrath in hell. The focus of God's wrath. 
says also there not just unrighteous but it, or ungodliness, but it says unrighteousness. That refers to man's relationship with fellow man. See, because we're fallen creatures, because we don't have a proper relationship with God anymore, our creator, therefore our relationship with everybody else is messed up. So many times in counseling, you're trying to work with people on the horizontal and you're trying to help them in the relationship with each other, but neither one of them know Christ. Neither one of them has been regenerate. Neither one of them has been transformed by the Spirit of God. So you're dealing with two fallen people who can't really do what you're telling them to do. That's why biblical counseling is always to point them to Christ. Point them to Christ. Because if they can get the relationship with God on the right, on the, on the straight and narrow, on the right relationship with God, then the other relationships seem to work out. Because all of a sudden you're empowered by something greater than yourself called the Spirit of God. And you're able to live in a way that is pleasing to God. But God's wrath is focused on those two areas. That covers everything. God's relationship with man and man's relationship with man. But it's also focused on all sin. God hates sin. He hates it with a passion. Um, One thing that we fail to understand, I think, as we live in the age of grace, is that very fact. The fact when we go out and we sin as Christians, that grieves the heart of God. Well, I thought we were forgiven. You are forgiven. But it still grieves his heart. It's kind of like you're shoving it in his face. Ephesians 2.3 calls us children of wrath because we have an absence of a genuine relationship with our Creator. A lot of times we get into some false religion that kind of replaces the relationship with God. And all of a sudden we have a relationship with a religion. Big deal. With the lost person, they will worship another God. And they will set themselves up as God. Either one of those activities angers the true God because you're taking away from his glory. And it brings wrath into their lives. But it says that God's wrath is focused on sin and all have sinned. God hates all sin. God's against it. He can't allow it to go unpunished or he wouldn't be a just God. He's a good God, but he's also a just God. He cannot just wink and let it pass under the bridge unpunished. And he will react in wrath against the sins of humanity one day. And those who fail to repent and get in a right relationship with him through Christ will feel the fury of his wrath. Lastly here, the foundation of God's wrath. This really answers the question, why is God angry? Why is God angry? It says there, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. See, we have to come to an understanding that all men have rebelled against God's truth. All men. And this means that people know the truth. And they've rebelled against it. They, re- they suppress it, it says. They, they cling to their sins instead of the Lord. If you read verse 19, you'll see that Men have had God revealed to them. We're going to be talking about that in the coming weeks. There's something built into man. God put a a chip in us that somehow we, we know that there's a God. Unfortunately, we love our sin more than we love that God. And so when that's the case, we seek to suppress the truth that's been revealed to them. And they go deeper into their sin. Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. 
It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. Gracefultruth.org is where to go. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.